This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Thanks for tuning in. I've got a conversation with guitar maestro Bill Hudson to share with you. Bill has played in Doro's band with John Oliver's Pain, Udo Dirkschneider, Circle to Circle, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and David Vincent from Morbid Angel's relatively new outfit. It's been around for a couple of years, but he plays Morbid Angel tunes in I Am Morbid, and Bill plays a guitar in that outfit. The catalyst for this chat, though, is due to the launch of North Tale's second album. North Tale is actually Bill's own band, so he's the one who recruits the members. The name of the album, which will be out on 12th of November via Nuclear Blast, is called Eternal Flame. So we talk all about the album and a bunch of other subjects. I'm quite friendly with Bill. I think he's a great bloke, so I'm always keen to have a conversation with him. This is the third or fourth time we've been able to connect and it's always a great conversation every time we catch up. So I hope you enjoy it. Before you hear from Bill though, I want to play a sample of the title track from the new album, Eternal Flame. Good, man. How are you? Sorry for the delay. No, that's fine. No dramas, mate. How's things been? Uh, how's things been traveling for you in uh, you know COVID landmark fifteen? Well, it's been it's been tough to say the least, but also very creative. You know, I uh, when COVID hit, I had fifty two shows canceled or fifty five or something like that. Fifty some shows canceled and. Uh, so there, there went all the income right away. So I went back to teaching guitar, which is mm. which in itself is like an experience I haven't had in a while. I haven't taught full time in a while, you know. Yeah. In like several years, but but that also left me at home to 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 write material, you know. Yeah, it certainly paid dividends, I reckon, yeah, because. <laughs> what you've done with Eternal Flame here, I mean, you know I liked Welcome to Paradise, but I've got to say, mate, you come along in leaps and bounds on Eternal Flame. Oh, thank you so much, man. That means the world. That's yeah. awesome. No, you, you truly have. I, uh, Yeah, it's hard to know where to start with it all because it just seems it's not as better in every way. You know what I'm saying? It's just that you naturally evolve as a songwriter, but you've evolved in a way you've, where you've incorporated all of these beautiful symphonic elements to give it some soundtrack qualities, your music some soundtrack qualities. Yeah, exactly. That's um, 
and that's a perfect way to describe it too like evolving as a songwriter because i mean i've not i haven't done that much as a songwriter before you know that's my first album oh welcome to paradise was my first album and i've written for other artists before but never anything that was mine you know so this is the second time and i feel that like if i repeated the if i repeated the first formula that wouldn't be that wouldn't be a challenge that would just be another album nobody would care you know so this time around i was free to do whatever also you know because of the lineup change and having a new singer so i was free to explore things i couldn't even think on the first album you know yeah well, the first album you unless unless you've been in a band where you like be surrounded by the same sort of three or four people um you've got what's the old saying you've got your entire life to write your first album and then you've got all of these experiences with these other people you've been on the road with or you've been in a band with and usually it happens when you're a bit younger this sort of stuff but when you're a bit older and you've got all of this other experience that you've got which for me from my perspective you I mean you're a gun session player magnificent session player we've had conversations about that but your 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 um if you like one of the key characteristics that you have in the world of heavy metal probably more than anybody else is that you can slot into almost any situation and make it work and i feel like you've been able to do that here with your own music in that you've been able to draw all these different elements together if you like and make them work as well so did did you do most of this yourself or was this something where you actually relied on some so you got Patrick O'Hanson as your drummer. You relied on the musicians around you to give you feedback and you reacted to that feedback in order to change things. A little bit, and uh, especially in the drum department, yeah. But, I mean, the at its core, this is very much – this is – I mean, I, I don't like to call it that, but, like, it was done pretty much as a solo album because I wrote every mm. melody – every chord every part you know what i mean i did get feedback from the band but they they like the first album had more music collaborations than this one now i worked with the singer a lot on the lyrics you know that mm -hmm. that i'll give him credit for that and we uh we worked together he he had he brought some beautiful amazing ideas and of course i mean uh, with a drummer like Patrick, a lot of a lot of things that I had, not a lot, but some things that I had like programmed on the drum machine, he's just like, man, this is not playable, you know. And when a guy <laughs> like him says he's not playable, it's probably too too unrealistic, <laughs> you know. Um, and I, but but I mean, I did have a lot of, of outside help, you know. I had an outside orchestrator, I had uh, yeah. And I had a percussionist, a guest percussionist. I had several guest artists, but the writing, most of the writing, it's mine. You know, it's a, it's a lot of my music. It's exactly what I personally wanted to do. Okay, there you go. Yeah, with this symphonic aspect here, it doesn't sound like it's your first go at it. If you know what I'm saying, on one of your own albums, it sounds very accomplished. It sounds very, uh, what's the word? Uh, it sounds like it's all there. There's, I mean, I've had a couple of listens to the album. I only got it a few days ago, but um, that was the first thing that really jumped out at me. So, is that is that aspect, that symphonic aspect, is that something that you've been wanting to do? Yes, yes, absolutely. But I, so I think a lot of people are doing it. Some are doing it fantastically well. 
you know i can i can mention you know bands like uh the fuck the septic flesh yeah uh you know there's bands like that or 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 the italians i forget what their name is oh or, flesh you know, got apocalypse flesh got yeah flesh mm. got apocalypse there's bands that do that extremely well like that but then in power metal there's bands that don't do it that well you know what i mean and there's a lot of them so so i feel that the symph so the symphonic element nowadays uh, has become almost expected. If you play in a power metal band, people even ask, what about orchestrations? But see, when I first got into power metal, it wasn't like that. Like when I first heard Angra, that was out of this planet for, to me. You know, like it was a power metal band or a metal band, I should even say, that had, you know, some orchestrations in it. That the very concept um was crazy to me at the time and it wasn't overdone the way it is now you know like there's a lot of bands that that have symphonic elements or or orchestrations from beginning to end and the music sometimes even relies on that and that was never what i wanted to do you know like mm -hmm. i did go to school to be a conductor you know i went to i went to college in brazil to be a conductor so i wanted to do it but i wanted to do it right i don't i just i don't want it to rely i didn't want to rely on it i didn't want it to sound fake because there's that too man a lot of orchestrators nowadays a lot of people that do orchestration orchestrations nowadays kind of do it by ear you know what i mean i wanted a real deal i wanted a guy that did soundtracks and this is why mm -hmm. i had an outside outside orchestrator and he had to be just here and there you know like it's it's in maybe 20 percent of the album it doesn't rely on it you know we can perfectly play a show as a five-piece band and not have the orchestrations and still work the same way you know so that was important sure. to me yeah i'm so glad you say all of that because so a couple of things there i, I never i never actually viewed north tail as a power metal band just a great heavy metal band first of all and and the second thing is that yeah I, I can't stand a lot of power metal to be honest with you because of the reasons you just articulated they're using a keyboard whatever it might be or even using online tools applications yes. and the like to so they write the guitar part then they put all this widdly diddly stuff i call it around it and it sounds forced Yours doesn't. Yes. Yours, and that's your point about you being a conductor and approaching it from that perspective. You can hear that because it's integrated. Yeah, absolutely. See, I mean, dude, there's. Believe me, I know power metal can be really, really cheesy and really, really bad. In fact, I don't even like to use the term power metal to our band because, because um, at the same time that it puts you on the on the style, you know, it, it, it makes it clear to people that we're talking about that genre that is inspired by Halloween or Stradivarius or whatever. It also puts you in a in a box with a lot of other shitty bands, you know. And and what you said, the diddly diddly stuff, the stuff that comes to to just make that guitar melody bigger. I'm not into that. Like if I'm gonna use an orchestrator, an orchestration, it has to be written for that. Basically, the parts the parts of the songs that use it, the band is done. Uh, the band is part of it. You know what I mean? Like we're playing part of the orchestra. It's mm. not. It's not. It's not that the orchestra is, is is replicating some melody that we do. You know, there's a lot of things that make power metal bad. The lyrics, a lot of the time, are really shitty. So I didn't want shitty lyrics. You know, I didn't <laughs> want like, uh, like I'm well aware of it. You know, I'm well aware of everything, and, and that's everything that I didn't want on this album. 
Yeah, that's a really good point about the lyrics. So, um, yeah, and we'll yeah. talk about, I'm going to butcher his name, but is it is it Gilherm Heros? Is that how you pronounce? I mean, yeah, kind of like, he's, in Portuguese, it's Guilherme Irosi. Okay, but, yep. But Gil or Guy works. Gil or Guy, yeah, yeah. So what, what were the lyrical themes you guys worked on? So yeah, man, that that I'm I'm really excited to talk about on every interview because that is brand new to the band, and that's something I wanted to do. So on the mm. last record, I wrote some. Uh, I wrote two lyrics, which was "Evangels are real for a friend who died," and uh, "Shape your reality," which is basically about what I believe life is. You know, you can you can do whatever you want, you can be whatever you want, as long as you take the right steps. So the song was about that. It was essentially about starting Northdale. You know, Northdale is the result of me shaping my reality. So that mm-hmm. that was important to put on the first album. Now, when it comes to the other lyrics on the first album, that's where like the musical differences between me and the old singers lie. You know, like he was more of a guy that wanted to talk about, you know, just being metal and being cool and let's go. And, and he, and he, he also did a lot of this, uh, fitting words to my melodies. So like he would hear a melody and come up with, with some random word and then write based on that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of European singers do that. And it's, it's, uh, it's a thing, but I think that that's what creates bad lyrics. You know what I mean? And I really had a problem with that, and we got into it a few times. That's why we ended up parting ways, not because of the lyrics, because the same happened with music too. But you know, the standard musical differences in this case totally applies. Yeah. Um, so when Guilherme came in, I was like, okay, we still need to write about uh self-empowerment you know stuff like shape your reality uh because i i really am a positive person i want to i want to spread a positive message through my music and we, we have a little bit of that but there's also other things to be talked about for example track number two wings of salvation is about the inventor uh, the brazilian inventor of the airplane right we are mm-hmm. we are taught in brazil like in Brazil, nobody knows who the Wright brothers are. We are taught that Alberto mm-hmm. Santos Dumont invented the airplane. And it's not even discussed. It's not, it's, there's not even a discussion who did it. We only know this story, you know. And when I moved to America, I started hearing about the Wright brothers and traveling around the world, everybody's telling me about the Wright brothers. And I'm like, no, you guys are wrong. You know, a Brazilian invented the airplane. So... I was like, well, is Brazil really that good at indoctrinating people that everyone, my entire family, all my friends believe a lie? So I went and I did some research on this. And as it turns out, the Wright brothers did fly first. You know, they they, they flew in 1901, but they kind of sort of, they, they, they just catapulted themselves, hmm. you know. On a, uh, whereas Santos Dumont actually had a flying machine that went around the Eiffel Tower and the entire press of the, the Times saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he made, he made a, he got a, a, a money prize and he was, the guy was just a badass, you know, he was awesome. During research, I found out all about all this about this guy and I wanted to write about him, you know, because that's a story that nobody outside of Brazil knows. Uh, after... But after when the war started and he found out that they were using planes in the war, he killed himself because he, he didn't he couldn't stand, oh, you know, right. that they were using his his invention to kill people. 
And that's, a, you know, I want to sing about that, you know, of, that's a meaningful story. And, uh, you know, and there's stuff like uh, Midnight Bells, the single that comes out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's about uh, my singer's religion. He wrote those lyrics. And uh, he's, a, he's a spiritualist. He follows this Brazilian religion of Umbanda, where they incorporate spirits. And to, to the people who follow this religion, they believe they talk to the dead. And, uh, and my singer has a, gu- a spiritual guide, like his spirit guide, and he wrote a song about this spirit. Mm-hmm. So, and then Land of Mystic Christ is just, just about being Brazilian, you know, what it means to be Brazilian, what, what we do in our day-to-day lives. So there's no, uh, uh, there are positive lyrics. There's, you know, like the standard lyrics, but you won't find through the flame and the fires, I hold my oh, sword. God. Like yeah. I'm not writing about yeah. that kind of shit, you know. <laughs> yeah, lot to lot to discuss there. Yeah, because I picked up on the land of mystic rites and also wings of salvation. Um, the chant, to your point there, in the land of mystic rites, yeah, it does have a spiritual feel to it. That song there, and the chant. Can you can you talk about what that chant is? So the chant. It's what's interesting is the chants are not in Portuguese. Those are not those are not Portuguese words, but they are words used in that religion in the religion of my Umbanda. And uh, before, because I had to record it, my, Dennis thought it was, it was Portuguese, so he asked me to record some vocals. And I didn't know how to do it, so I had to sit and, and, and learn it like a different language, like you would, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but then I did do research on what he says, and it's basically, he's basically, Guilherme is basically thanking the spirits for the blessings. Like he, for what I understand, he really, he really, he really uh, has kind of asked the spirits and being granted his job in the band. So mm-hmm. he, he, he thanks the spirits in, in that song. And, uh, and uh, so it's interesting that you would feel like a spiritual quality to it, quality to it, because we don't know what they're saying, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a different language. Uh, and Midnight Bells is related to the same subject, kind of. Hmm. Is, uh, is the religion similar to Hare Krishna? Do you know? I, I, I wouldn't know how to answer that. But what their religion is, is, is a syncretic religion um, brought by the slaves to Brazil back, you know, in the 1500s when they were, hmm. when the country was discovered. And what happened is they had, it's based... For what I understand, it kind of has a little bit of voodoo, uh, but not not mm-hmm. they're not poking holes on the on dolls, but that kind of thing, you know, the the with the dances and and the fact that that people incorporate spirits, you know. So so mm-hmm. I'm here talking to you, and I receive this spirit in my body. So suddenly I'm speaking a different language, and and I look completely different in my facial demeanor. It's pretty impressive. I've been to some of these of these rituals. Uh, my parents used to be a part of, of this too. And uh, so anyway, it's a syncretic religion that these slaves brought to Brazil uh, in the 1500s. But because the Portuguese were colonizing Brazil, they didn't want that. They wanted to bring Christianity to the country. Mm. So what they did is they continue doing the same rites and dances and everything, but they were calling their saints the Christian names just so the Portuguese would, would be okay with that, mm-hmm. you know? So, so it's very interesting. I've done a lot of research on this. Um, it's, uh, 
you go to Africa and they have the same rights, the same dances, the same everything. They just call it different names. Mm-hmm. But there are certain names like Eshu and Asha and stuff like that, that they're even in the English language for like followers of that religion from like Nigeria and stuff. Like those people, you know, they, they have this. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's a much older religion than Christianity. Yeah, no, I, I ask about the comparison to Hare Krishna because that's a branch of Hinduism. And the chant reminds me very much of the, you know, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna Rama, they call it. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Rama. This thing, I don't think so. I don't think it's similar in that sense. Yeah, yeah. So, but but Gil, of course, we've, we, you mentioned he's from Brazil as well. And, and I did read the bio. You weren't that keen on getting anybody from outside of the United States simply because the tyranny of distance and especially what's going on at the moment. So he, he must have had tremendous qualities for you oh, absolutely. the band. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I've, I auditioned um, uh, close to 40 people uh, from the most well-known singers to just dudes that did covers on YouTube. So I gave, you know, like everyone a chance. Mm. I talked to a lot of people. And it basically came down to two European singers. They weren't in the, the US, but they were in Europe. Um, and uh, I was actually kind of ready to fly one of them over here when, when like, uh, shortly, like, before the pandemic. Hmm. And then Guilherme wrote me on Facebook. He was the last person. I was already done with the auditions. I didn't want to think about that anymore. I already had the producer. I already had, had half of the songs. And, uh, and he emails me and he's, you know, or Facebooks me and he's like, hey, man, you know, you know you're looking for a singer. And my answer, my immediate answer was no, thanks, but no thanks. Also because he was in Brazil. You know, I'm from Brazil. I know how hard it is to come to this country and go anywhere when you're from there. Mm -hmm. I didn't want another problem in a band that's already spread throughout the world. You know what I mean? I'm like, dude, I already have a guy in Sweden, a guy in Missouri and me here. You know, it's like I, I need to somehow to somehow make this a little more realistic. But then, you know, he writes me back and he's like even if you give me a point of one chance to to you know to audition i want to do it i'm like you know what man all right here's here's some songs without vocals and send me send me your auditions and he did i mean he sang the first song and like within the first couple lines i was like dude like that's the guy you know like i was really glad that he came because all of the singers that I talked to before, they're, I mean, they're amazing. They're amazing. I only talked to really good singers, but in a way it was kind of compromising because I wanted to bring the Brazilian quality into the music. And Guilherme had a lot of that. You know what I mean? He listened yeah. to Andre Matos. He listened to the guys that I liked as a kid. So it was really, it was really, really uh, impressive how, how he came out of nowhere. And I was, you know, I was ready to hire someone else. Mm-hmm. And and look, your your solos this time around are um, they're magnificent. So, did you labour over them, or were they things? The solos, did the ideas for the solos and the melodies within did they come to you fairly easily? Oh no, I, I gotta say this time around, I've I've laboured a lot of a lot more over the solos. Like on the first album, I wrote some stuff, some of the more technical stuff, but I I. Uh, a lot of it was improvised, you know, like a lot of the the the, non, the parts that weren't supposed to be played, all, all is the same. And and honestly, over the, 
the solos kind of didn't age very well with me. Like I listened to some of my solos on the first album and I don't like it that much. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's fine. You know, it's, mm. it's not bad, but it's nothing super impressive. So on this album, I, I wasn't just like with the rest of the music, I wanted to stand out from the first album, you know? So I wanted to, I, I, Man, there's parts in Nature's Revenge that I literally, there's a, a big arpeggio section that I spent, I swear to God, I spent two months trying to learn that, you know, but, but, wow. yeah. but also right now I could get on stage and play, you know, like uh, the first album, I did a lot of, a lot of, a lot of it by parts, a little bit here, a little bit there, everything on this album, every solo you hear is one take, you know, so wow. uh, okay. it's, it's one single take that might have an edit here and there that's okay but there's nothing like do one lick stop do another yeah. lick stop that's how i did the first one this this album everything is one single take if it's a solo so so i wanted uh it, it had to be playable by me like it had to be something that i can realistic play realistically play but it's beyond my comfort zone at that point and i gotta say man i become a bad i've become a better player because of that album there are things that there are several things not only on the solos on rhythms too that i wanted to hear a certain way and normally i would have given up because i can't play it and i would have changed it but no that I, on this album i sat and i practiced and i practiced until i could nail it the way i wanted uh thinking of a show be like but when the gig comes i have to play it too you know so every everything was thought out like that it has to be real and it has to be playable but it has to be better than the first one so yeah it's been yeah. a lot of time yeah, well, you, you know, I rate your playing extremely highly uh, from conversations in the past. But to hear you say that there were things that you were going for on the previous album that you thought, nah, it's a little bit beyond my reach right now, and that you spent the time to actually get that stuff right, that's why I have those feelings about your playing, because I can hear that you are reaching for something else. You're going a little bit beyond, but you're not doing it, like I said earlier, in that widdly-diddly sense. You're doing yes. it in a way where you're trying to unlock the secrets of the guitar. Exactly. That's a that's a great way to describe it. Wow, that's awesome. But but it is true. Hmm. It is true. Like, like, for example, to be specific, there were things that were like a 170 BPM. And I'm like, okay, at that speed... There's only, you can play an arpeggio, you can play a scale. There's not much you can do, you know, to, to like when you're playing that fast. So I just started coming up with these licks that were all out of place, you know, mm -hmm. and be like, it has to sound musical, but I got to be able to play it slow because otherwise it becomes that thing, you know, it's either a scale going up or an arpeggio, yeah. it, it, you know, I, I wanted to get out of that, but still, you know, sound cool, you know. So I used a lot of more, a lot more tapping this time, you know, like I, I, I didn't tap that much on the first album. This one is all over. Mm. And uh, I, I went a lot more for the legato, the fluid sound for arpeggios, you know, I didn't sweep that much. I did a little mm. bit, but not, not, not a whole lot. And but 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 every single note that I recorded on this album, I could play live right now. You know that was important to me. Okay, yeah, yeah. The other thing, and I've only recently had a chat to the great Kai Hansen, who appears on the album. Uh, you guys are a perfect match, by the way. But uh, why Kai? Well, see, I met him when I was in Udo's band and we kind of met each other as peers. I don't think he realized how much of a fan I was. 
And, and because I grew up idolizing that guy, you know, I was 14 and I saw him play a show in Brazil for the first time. And it was the first show that I saw that wasn't a huge thing in a stadium, something that I could actually see the band and be like, you know what, man, if I work hard enough, I can do this, you know? Yeah. Like it yes. was the first time I felt like that. And, uh, and, uh, he, he, I mean, he wrote the soundtrack for my teenage years, you know, Kai Hansen and Timo Toki. That's, that's what I listened to as a kid, you know, Gamma Ray, Halloween, Stradivarius. And, and the song that Kai is on, Future Calls, the opening riff I straight up lifted from Ride the Sky. I'm like, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I, this is my Halloween tribute. And uh, on the first album, I invited him to produce and he didn't have the time. This time around, I knew he definitely wouldn't be have the time because of Halloween. But I was like, man, maybe you can do a guest guess thing for me you know that would be awesome i don't even care what you do just just be on the album and let me tell people that you're on my album and he's like he's like well how about i sing something and i'll bring my son tim my son tim and play a guitar solo i'm like fuck yeah that that sounds great you know so uh he what he delivered i mean i gave him the melodies i gave him the song with my singer singing and and told him to do whatever he wanted and what he delivered was just perfect, man. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's what I wanted. You know, that, that makes me want to listen to this song. So I couldn't be more grateful, man. Kai is a really, really good friend, really, really good guy. And I'm, I'm very glad that he did this. Yeah, you remind me of each other in terms of talking to you. You know, ever since I first spoke to you, it's easy to talk to you. Same thing with Kai. Yeah, yeah. I feel uncomfortable sometimes because he's so cool and I'm like dude he's like he's Kai Hansen and he's like you know being this cool to me I know people who aren't half as famous who are total jackass wankers yeah you know? I know. And, then, hey. and then you get a guy like him and he you know he's your buddy yeah yeah I know that's the thing I was I felt like Kai's one of those guys as I say like you, you you're talking to me like oh shit this is actually an interview okay <laughs> uh, you just think you're talking to a, a mate down at the pub or something um, but something else for you is, you know, and I've mentioned it already, your adaptability and the way you can just slot into any band and make it work. You're still, you're still you, but you make it work for the greater sum of the parts, so to speak. You're playing with Doro alongside the great Michael. God, I've had a number of conversations with Michael Schenker uh, as well. Lovely fella. But are, are those shows that you're doing, are they the first since the pandemic started? Yeah, absolutely. They are. Yeah. Uh, and the last show I did before the pandemic was also with Dora, was uh, at this festival, House of Metal, in, over in Sweden. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and yeah, 10 days after the pandemic started, so I'm looking forward to getting out there again. I leave on the 25th, and I'm certainly looking forward to it. It's fucking Michael Schenker, man. When I get to meet him, it'll be awesome. Yeah, have you spoken to him much? No, I've never met him, ever. Yeah, he's definitely a character. He's he's a character like he's the sort of guy that will just meet you and start talking to you, and you won't get a word in edgeways. But it's 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 all gold. That's <laughs> so awesome, man. You know, Ralph. You knew Ralph, right? Yeah, Ralph. Yeah. So he was Ralph's idol, and and I didn't honestly. I knew the name, but I didn't know his work before 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 I got really close with Ralph. You know, I mean, I knew the classics, of course. But I didn't dig into his his actual, you know, into the good stuff and even the videos, you know, until I started hanging out for, hanging out with Ralph. He was like his hero, 
Hmm. So, so I keep thinking since this tour, I'm like, man, if Ralph was alive, he would be so jealous of me right now. You know, <laughs> I'm sure that he's cheering me. you on from the beyond, though, mate. I'm sure he's yeah, very happy man. For he's you. got yeah. he's got a picture with Michael Schenker from when he was like like a twenty something years old in, in, at MI. You know, mm. it would be it would be it would be cool, man. If I, I I would definitely if I have an opportunity, I'll definitely try to talk to him a little. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. And uh, look, uh, do you know how John Oliva's doing at the moment? Man, yeah, I don't know if you saw the news you, recently, yeah. did you? Yeah, yeah I so, saw the news, yeah. Yeah, so I, that that scared the shit out of me, man. I, I woke up to that and I'm like, oh my God, you know, like, and, and I started texting him right away. He didn't respond. Mm. So I texted Chris Caffrey and he did. He's like, dude, I've been up. I've been trying to figure out too. I talked to Chris Caffrey for a while and uh, he... Uh, he said, well, I finally heard from John. And then five minutes later, I got a text from John back. And he yeah. literally said, hurting, but okay. And I, and I, and I, I I'm like, dude, I, you know, are you going to be okay? He's like, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. You know, just, just being like that. So he's, he's okay. He texted me back, but, but Jeez, that's about yeah. all I know. That was last I heard from him. That was back then. John's a magnificent talent, but I think he needs to take out a, a leaf out of your book with the abstinence side of things. Oh, no shit. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, man. <laughs> you know, it's funny. When I met him, the very moment I met him, uh, uh, Zach introduced me and said something about me liking to drink because at the time I did. You know, I did a lot. Mm. And John and John just, just, just pulls, pulls a joint, shows it to me. Just smoke this instead, man. You know, and that, and that's kind of like, and that's kind of like, like what has been happening in the past 10 years, you know? So it was good advice, but, but, but yeah, um, it, it definitely worked for me. I wish he would slow down a little bit, but he's John, you know, man, that's, that's John Oliva, you know, he, I don't know. There's legendary stories. I, I haven't yeah. been there for any, you know, like, honestly, like around me, he's always been, he's always been. I've never seen him go crazy, not around me or like I heard stories. That's all, but yeah, you know. Well, he's, you know, with his brother passing away so young, I mean, you do carry that stuff around with you. There's no doubt. And look, we all, I mean, God, I'm guilty of it too. I just had a conversation with Donnie V about it, you know, medicating, self-medicating anxiety with alcohol. So yeah. many of us do it. It's one of the key reasons we bloody drink, but um You've, there's no two ways about it. If you've got responsibilities, you've got to get a handle on it. And um, moderation is the key if you're going to continue yeah. doing it. Absolutely. I, I'm just glad that, that John is somehow able to handle it, you know, like like still, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm just glad that he's alive. Mm. But, but, yeah, I couldn't, you know, I had to stop. Yeah. yeah well, you, you got it, though. You understood that was the case. So, um exactly. <laughs> But uh, David, David Vincent, I am Morbid, is that still something you're involved in? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We were supposed to have done a tour last month. Of course, it got canceled. Mm. Um, and that tour has already been rescheduled three times. But, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, right now we're supposed to go out next March. It should be the, the well, it, was, it, should be in the, it should have been the anniversary of Blessed. So uh, I'm thinking that it, it might still be the same show next year, you know. Hopefully, but, uh, fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, man. He, but, but, but he's also he's also you know doing shows with Ultimas, just like I'm doing shows with my stuff. So he's not he's not 
that available for it. But as much, I mean, I'll, that's one of my favorite groups of people to work with. Just I am orbit in, in general, you know, being on tour with those guys. I just love it, man. David, mm. Tim and Kelly are my brothers. And even when Ira was in the band, he still is my brother, you know, like mm. it was, uh, I just love working with them. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. Yeah. I'd love for you if it could ever be arranged to bring down both North tail and I am Morbid. God, if me that, too, man. Yeah. Do, do we you we talked to a, yeah, we, we talked to a promoter uh, for Northdale. Uh, we talked to a promoter a couple of years ago. We were, we were looking at doing this thing that you would have been Hammerfall, Firewind and us. And that never ended up happening. And then the pandemic started. Uh, mm. but, but I still talk to that promoter sometimes. So we'll see, man. Um, it, it's just so expensive, you know, like to get there is like $10,000 to get mm. everyone out there. But, but I mean, that's, that's one of the, that's probably my top country that I want to go that I haven't been to yet. You know, mm. like I, I have, um, I don't know if I, if I didn't mention this on the last podcast, I thought about it, but like I have these dreams sometimes that I'm in Australia in some underground place. I don't know where it is. <laughs> and, wow. uh, and it's always the same place. Like there's an underground river and I don't know why I know it's Australia. So, mm. and I've been having that same dream since I was a kid. So next, you know, whenever I make it there, I got to find this place. I don't know where it is. I don't know what city it is, but I'll find it. <laughs> Well, I've, I've, I know I've mentioned this before, but my um, my godson is Brazilian. His father's from Brazil, from Fortaleza, and okay. um, there are tons of Brazilians in Australia. It's very. I, I haven't been to Brazil, but from what the Brazilians tell me, it's. I'm not saying it's the same, but you know, it's the English speaking version of Brazil. I hear that a lot, and going by some of my Australian friends, uh, I would I would say so, because you guys you guys have that 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 you're you're a lot less stuck up than the other, the other English speaking countries. Yeah. <laughs> so and plus, and plus you have, and plus you have similar weather. I would, I would think. Oh, it's virtually the same. I mean, you look at it, it's on the same longitude, yeah. um, similar longitude, no Southern hemisphere. Yeah. So it's virtually the same. We said, instead of having a beautiful Amazon, we have this bloody desert though. That's the only difference, <laughs> you know, this arid yeah. desert, you know, but, yeah. um, I don't think I've asked you this question before, but Tommy Vex, do you in touch with him at all? Yeah, we talk sometimes. He uh, he was just playing a show in Orlando, and we were supposed to meet up, but I went out of town the day before he came in, so mm. we didn't end up meeting. But yeah, we we talk. Um, we haven't done any work together since Westfield Massacre, but we still talk. He's cool. I'm really glad for his success. And for the fact that he stands up for himself, you know, like yeah. love it or hate it, the guy is honest. You know, he's he's the real fucking deal. Well, as you well know, in the United States, the same in Australia, but it's just more overt in the United States. This this, this veer toward left wing ideologies and totalitarianism. As soon as you have an opinion which isn't in that box, they go after you, and that's what he's yeah. experienced. Yeah, and if I mean exactly, you know, and and people don't know what to do because he's black. You know, like, like they, they can't cancel him, you know, and, but, but Tommy is smart that he knows it, you know, he's like, you know, if, if that's your game, I'll fucking play the way you do, you know, but, but I mean, he, dude, he, uh, he's, I mean, I have a lot of respect for the guy. I, a lot of people don't like him. A lot of people talk shit about him. He has problems with a lot of people. That is the truth, you know, and mm -hmm. this is even before all this political shit. A lot of people didn't like him before. 
But as far as like my relationship with him goes, I have nothing bad to say about the guy. Mm. Yeah, no, he's a talent. He's a talent. I'd like to yeah. see you guys do something again, you know. Something yeah, me too. Gnarly. Me too. I always tell him, like, you know, you need a more metal thing. And we, we, we tease it. We talk about doing something, me, him and Tim again. But, but mm. if it hasn't happened yet, maybe, maybe in the future. That would be cool. Sweet, mate. I'll let you get to the next one. Always good to catch up. And uh, you've got a killer album here, mate. Just would uh, like to catch up in person and, uh, and see you guys perform live. That would be the next thing. Yeah, man. If you're an Australian promoter listening to this, please bring us down. <laughs> we'll, we'll show you a good time, I promise. And Andy, thank you so much for having me, man. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure talking to you. Looking forward to the next time we can do it again. Likewise, mate. Mate, no worries at all. Thanks very much. I eh? appreciate it. Awesome. Take care, you. my friend. No worries. Bye bye. Talk to you. There he is, Bill Hudson, ladies and gentlemen. Always a pleasure to catch up with Bill, it must be said. North Tail is the name of his band. That uh, album, too, is, an, is a stunning album, it must be said. I don't usually like power metal y sort of stuff, and I don't really consider what Bill's doing in North Tail to be power metal, but it has stylings of that. Eternal Flame is the name of the album. Definitely check it out. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. If you like that chat, go across to scarsandguitars.com where there are many more just like it. If you could like, subscribe, and share, I'd truly appreciate it. But even better, leave a comment. That's the thing that really helps and helps me move up the ladder courtesy of the social media algorithms as they are built these days. Comments are king, really. It's all about engagement not just clicks. That's it. Until next time, have a good one. Stay safe. See you around.